Hello, I'm Wayne McGahey, host of the Locked On Seminoles podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, and we're back again for the first episode of this week following Florida State's 28-24 win over Louisville on the road. So, uh, for those of you who are returning listeners, I really appreciate all the support that you guys have given me, and I hope you continue to support this podcast as we go through it. If you're a new listener and don't really know who I am, I'm the Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat. I cover football, baseball, basketball, and recruiting. I've covered Florida State for the last four years. I started off as an intern with the Scout site, and I moved up to the publisher of the NoldDigest.com site on the Scout Network, and then I got the job with the Tallahassee Democrat in August of 2016. Like I said, I cover football, baseball, basketball, and recruiting. For football, I attend every practice, every time Willie Taggart speaks, every time a player speaks, every time there's media availability. I'm at every game, home away, bowl game. I was in Louisville for Florida State's win this past weekend, and I'll be in uh, I'll be in Miami or I'll be at Hard Rock Stadium, which isn't actually in Miami. We'll get into that later this week about how Miami has to play an hour from you know their uh, campus, but. I cover ba- uh, basketball every every basketball home game as well as any basketball post game or postseason games. Uh, I was in Nashville and Los Angeles for Florida State's Elite Eight run last season for baseball baseball home games as well as postseason games. I was out in Omaha for the College World Series two years ago. I also cover every major and minor recruiting event that Florida State has, such as the Saturday Night Live event and Junior Days. So. I have a pretty good idea of what's going on around the program uh, for Florida State's three major programs, as well as recruiting. So I think I provide a a pretty comprehensive uh, podcast so far. We're right in the middle of football season. Basketball season has just started up uh, with practice. We'll get into more more basketball as the season goes on. But this is Miami week. It's Miami hate week for every Florida State fan out there. And uh, we'll get into that. We'll get into that not not in this podcast. There's a lot to digest about this Florida State's about, about Florida State's win over Louisville, um, and it's going to take up pretty much all the time. We'll we'll start getting into it uh, tomorrow on Tuesday, and then we'll continue that throughout the week. But <clears throat> jumping in, Florida State came back from a 14 point deficit to beat Louisville and get to above 500 for the first time during you know Willie Taggart's tenure at Florida State get their first ACC win, the first road win. It, it was it was huge for Florida State. Uh, it, you know, that, that it can't even be described how how much Florida State needed this win, especially the way that they got it. And I wrote a column about it after the game talking about how last year when Florida State was faced with adversity, they failed. They failed the challenge. You know, they yeah, just all, all you have to do is look at what happened last year against Louisville. Florida State was driving for the win, and they fumble the football. And then Louisville takes and drives the field in under a minute and kicks it to field goal to win the game. I mean, it was, it was the exact opposite of last year. Florida State didn't fold when they had the chance. They made the plays that they needed to. And that, that's, that's part of the culture change that Willie Taggart's you know, brought to Florida State, and it's it was hard to see the first the first four weeks how they were responding to adversity because you know you got blasted by Syracuse and the, there's actually absolutely nothing that went right against Virginia Tech, and you know you almost lost to Samford. Now you showed you had some um, you had some progress two weeks ago against Northern Illinois, and then you showed some more progress against Louisville. This Florida State team is getting better, guys. Um, 
we're going to get into the fact that Florida State should have lost this game. <laughs> uh, in the second segment, we'll get into that, and then in the third second, I'll, uh, or the third segment, I'll give my three up, three down, the three players that I thought were really uh, played really well, and the three players that I thought played pretty poorly. But <clears throat> with um with what Florida State was able to do, DeAndre Francois was not very good in the first half. Guys. Um, he wasn't very good. At all, he he threw for 76 yards. Florida State, I mean, Florida State struggled to get anything going in the passing game. They're actually, I don't want to say that they were more successful with the run, but they actually were. You know, um, the offensive line, we'll get into this in a little while too, but the offensive line was getting such a good push up front against a pretty bad Louisville defensive line, but the offensive line was getting a good push up front and Cam Akers and Jacques Patrick getting a field. It was a solid start, but DeAndre Francois played with happy feet in the first half. I mean, he did. He, you know, he completed just three of his eight attempts in the second quarter, and you know, it was only two for four in the uh, in the first. So uh, he 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 wasn't very good. He was five for twelve for seventy six yards in went in a touchdown in the um, in the first half. But <clears throat> excuse me. But he wasn't very good. He was happy feet. The you know Florida State did get kind of screwed by the referees. Jeff Flanagan's crew remains one of the worst in college football and the worst in the ACC. We'll go ahead and, and just call it what it is. His crew is absolutely terrible. They miss so many calls. I mean, it, there's like if you didn't know that the crew was incompetent and that's what they are, you would know after watching that game that the offsides penalty where the defensive tackle made contact and it wasn't called was just, I mean, how, how is that not called? Like it, th- there's no excuse for that, for that call not to be made. The, there was a play in the fourth quarter where Florida state got a tackle for loss. There was a holding. It would have been like a six, seven yard loss and they marked off the penalty and Willie Taggart's on the sideline. And I know that uh, a lot of people couldn't see it um, because they didn't, raised the camera up far enough to see him. But Willie Taggart was sitting there trying to figure out why that penalty was being marked off because he declined it. He clearly declined it, and he was pissed that they marked it off. And the official just kept walking away from him. You know, normally officials will go over and they'll sit with the, they'll sit with the coaches. This official just kept walking away from him. I mean, it, the lack of respect that the official had for Willie Taggart in that moment and on that crew is absolutely ridiculous, and that crew should probably be suspended for how badly, they, bad of a job they did during that game. It was horrible. Um, yeah, it wasn't just those those plays. The one holding penalty on Landon Dickerson was absolutely horrendous. He would like <clears throat> he just takes and pushes the guy by him. The running back's already by him. He gets called for a penalty. He didn't even have time to hold the guy, and the guy was continuing to move forward. He didn't even get turned. It, Dickerson just pushed him past. It was. The ref, the the refereeing crew was absolutely terrible in this in this game, and it, in the end, you know, if, if Florida State had lost, it wouldn't have been on the officials. But you know, if Florida State, you know, they, they would have lost. <laughs> but um, it it wouldn't have been on the officials, but they would have played a big part in it because it they basically took away any momentum that Florida State had uh, at different points in the game, and it was it was quite disappointing to watch but Florida State's offense picked it up in the second half really in you know 
Tamora and Terry. We're, we're going to talk about this guy. We talked about DeAndre and, and his struggles in the first half. When, once he realized that the Florida State offensive line was actually giving him time to throw the football, everything changed. Everything changed. He wasn't getting happy feet in the pocket. He wasn't getting, you know, I mean, he was able to deliver a good ball down the field. Um, he, he was he was very successful. He completed eight of his first eight passes in the second half for, I believe, 137 yards. He finished 11 for 15 with three touchdowns and 218 passing yards. Uh, it, he, he was phenomenal in the second half. I think that was the best half of football he's ever played. I really do. I mean, that he was he was fantastic in the second half, and there's uh, there's no other way to describe that. But uh, it, get ba- it balances out with the, how bad his first half was. But once he realized that he was going to be able to stay upright, <clears throat> he um uh, he he was just he was worlds better, just worlds better than he was in the first half. So that's definitely a positive thing. If if Florida State's offensive line can continue to improve, you know, and keep the continuity that. Florida State's offensive line started the same five players throughout the entire game for the first time this season. Nobody had to come out for injuries or bad play or anything like that. It was they they played well. You know they made some mistakes, but you're grading. I mean, and you have to grade on a curve with this offensive line because you know there's just not that much talent there. But for what Florida State has, they played very very well. So I. I think once Francois realized that hey, he's not going to get hit on every single down, he was able he was more comfortable, he was able to stand in the pocket and he delivered in the second half. He really put the team on his shoulders uh, along with some help from his uh his receivers and we'll get into that in the second segment. There's just so much to talk about with this game. So much good and there's a lot of bad. We'll get into the bad in segment 2. We'll get into the good, more good in segment 2, but before we get into that we all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or going to watch the Seminoles in Dope Campbell Stadium. You love being there in the crowd to cheer on your favorite team. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more to save even more more money. Go to the App Store, Google Play, and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, no spaces, for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of, of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee, so make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you to your favorite live event. Thanks for sticking with me as we head into the second segment. We're going to jump right back in uh, to talking about all the good things that happened. We'll get into the bad things that happened in just a minute. And then in the final segment, we'll talk about the three players that played well and the three players that uh, didn't play well against Louisville. Um, but jumping back into it, Tamori Ontario, we talked a, talked a little bit about him, but man, that, that dude is such a playmaker. Um he was he was so successful without the ball with the ball like he the play he made on the fourth down catch where he makes the contested catch gets Florida State the first down and it really sets up uh, Trey McKitty's touchdown reception which was phenomenal by the way that was just a great pass and a great reception it was but Terry you know he makes he makes the big play and then he makes the play that needs to be made. 
Like he is, he is engaged at all times, and that's something that you have to love from your extremely talented wide receiver. You know, he only finished with three catches, but man, like just watching him play, he plays so hard on every play. You look at Nyquan Murray's touchdown run on, on the on the go ahead touchdown. He's down the field, fifty yards downfield, blocking a dude into the end zone. Like, he plays so hard on every play. Terry obviously had the, the touchdown pass, the long touchdown pass for the second week in a row. I mean, he's he's a special, special player. But it's, you know, w- watching what he does without the ball is just, I mean, it's it's truly amazing to watch. Florida State hasn't had a receiver like this in, in a long, long time. Now, Rashad Green was uh, was amazing. He was a great receiver, consistent. You know, he, Terry isn't that. I mean, he's... But what he does when he doesn't have the ball is I, I I don't remember a Florida State wide receiver having having that much impact without the ball. Like he's he's a consistent blocker. He's I mean he he runs the he, he runs as hard as he can on every single route. He I mean he, what he does is just is phenomenal, and I I can't say enough about how how good of a player he is, but. You know, we talked about the Florida State offensive line. You know, Florida State only averaged two and a half yards per carry, but there there were holes. You know, there there were some big runs, not not big runs, but there there were some some nice runs. Uh, but there was consistent holes that the offensive line was able was able to uh, was able to get against the bad Louisville defensive line. But when they wedge blocked and they got up in there. Florida State found some success. They definitely found some success running behind Landon Dickerson, and they ran, found some uh, found some success running up the middle. It was very, it, it was a very solid performance in the running game, despite the lack of numbers. Uh, most, you know, Florida State averaged over five yards a carry in the set, in the first quarter, and then when they found themselves behind, they didn't run as much, and then when they did, it just, I mean, it didn't it didn't go well. Uh, you know, later in the game, but there were some holes there. There's stuff to build on. The offensive line, I thought, played very, very well. I discussed that in the first segment, but now we need to get into the the bad stuff because um, we're running out of time here. Running out of time. But um, the Florida State defense was not good. I thought this was their worst performance of the year so far, uh, bar none. Um, they weren't physical. They didn't tackle well. They were hesitant when they got to the quarterback. There were some players that played well, and I'll get into those guys uh, in the three up, three down. There's a couple guys that I want to mention there. But for the most part, Florida State's defense is lucky that, that, that the final score wasn't in the 40s for Louisville. They're lucky that Jawan Pass couldn't hit the six wide-open touchdown passes that he missed. Like six different times. And there were a couple on the same drive. But the... That he, I mean, he missed wide open guys in the middle of the field. Wide open guys. I mean, it, it got to the point where Florida State defenders were arguing on the field about whose responsibility it was to cover the middle of the field. And it just, I mean, it wasn't pretty. There was a complete lack of communication. But there were six different times where there was a wide receiver running wide open down the field and Juwan Pass missed him. Would have, like, walked in for touchdowns. <clears throat> where there was no Florida State defenders near him. You know, so... Florida State's got to get that fixed, but the physical, the lack of physicality, um, the the pass rush was always a second too late for the most part. It wasn't that wasn't great. Yeah, they they couldn't stop the run. It it was just an overall pretty poor performance 
for, for the Florida State defense. I mean, no, no Louisville running back had more than than 70, uh, 72 yards coming into the game. Trey Smith had 70 against Florida State on 14 attempts. He averaged five yards a carry. Hall ever uh, had 57 yards. He averaged 5.2. Like for, Florida State was the defensive line was like they opened holes, and that's not something you want to say. I thought that the defensive tackles played very well, but I thought the defensive ends, um, outside of Brian Burns, played pretty pretty poorly. Eugenarius Robinson didn't have a great day. Wally Amy didn't have a great day. Uh, the linebackers outside of Dontavious Jackson, DeKalen Brooks had a really good first drive and then was kind of exposed. Jaden Woodby didn't have a great day. You know, it's just the, the, the Florida State defense as a whole was just not very good. Um, it, th- this is a Louisville offense that was horrendous coming into this game. They hadn't scored a first quarter touchdown against a Power 5 team or against an FBS team so far this season. They hadn't scored a first-half touchdown, sorry, and they got 21 points in the first two quarters. Now, the defense was better on the scoreboard in the second half, but that's only because Juwan Pass couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Uh, he was he was terrible. Um, so, that's... Uh, that. It's Especially with Miami coming up and the talent that they have at wide receiver, there's... You know, th- this... This is a big question mark for Florida State and something they've got to got to get fixed. I think the lack of physicality is probably the most uh, concerning thing because like guys were just missing tackles and not being physical when uh, when they needed to be. Special teams continues to be a disaster, just a straight disaster. Um, you know, it, they can't they can't do anything right. Yeah, and that's not even including the ball that fell out of the sky and hit Anthony Grant in the helmet and that was recovered. Like, there's nothing he can do about that. Though, DJ Matthews needs to do a better job of waving his guys off. But, I mean, you're not going to have eyes in the top of your helmet to to prevent them from being able to see that um, or to be able to see that with eyes in the top of the helmet. I mean, that just doesn't happen. That's just a a freak accident that's that's going in. But uh, everything else, I mean, the kickoff returns, punt returns, yeah, you know, the Florida State finally had a great punt return, but that's only because DJ Matthews was able to make some plays. He made two guys miss immediately, and then made another guy miss down the field. You know, if the Florida State's still having trouble blocking on punt returns, they're having trouble blocking on kick returns. You know, punting. Logan Tyler has a 35-yard punt when Florida State needs a 60-yard punt, then has a 60-yard punt when Florida State needs a 35-yard punt. You know, he's just like there's so much inconsistency there, but Florida State's uh, special teams unit continues to be a struggle. It has been all season. It's basically been a disaster, and it was a disaster again on Saturday against Louisville. So, in the second half, the Florida State offense played extremely well, led by DeAndre Francois, who was you know I thought played the best half of his Florida State career. And then the Florida State defense got lucky that Jawan Pass can't throw the football, and. Uh, the special teams continue to be a disaster. But <clears throat> that'll do it for this segment, uh, the second segment of the Locked on Seminoles podcast. We'll be back with the third and final segment here in just a second. And thanks for sticking with me as we head into the final segment here. And we're going to talk about the three players that played well, the three players that played poorly. We're going, you know, because Florida State won, we're going to start off with the three players that played poorly and end on a high note, right? 
Uh, number one, Wally Amy. Uh, I thought he played. He, he he hasn't played very well through the first four games this season, and he didn't play well again on on Saturday against Louisville. He got upfield a lot, allowed a lot of different holes. Uh, he, he, I mean, he's he's completely lacking in the pass rush right now. He's he's not getting to the quarterback, and he's not playing well against the run. So I don't know the advantage of having him in there. Now, Janarius Robinson didn't play extremely well, but I thought he played better than better than uh, Wally. And, you know, I, I'm at this point, I'm not sure why he continues to, to see the field over, over Janarius. I think that's, um, that's, that's kind of questionable, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't think he played particularly well. Uh, you know, and some of that might be by design, you know, trying to funnel everything back into, into the center of the field with the read option. But Jawan pass came into the game with eight, 18 rushes for eight yards. I don't know why you would try to take the quarterback in that situation. So that didn't really, doesn't really make sense. Um, so if, if that's the case, if it's not the case, then Amy's just getting up field, completely forgetting his assignment and Louisville's just running right through it. And he's being single blocked, not double teamed. So that happened multiple times. And I thought he was, he was pretty bad. Um, you know, this kid, AJ Westbrook was, horrible for like 58 minutes of the game <laughs> he was bad like he, he he was he was in bad position he tried to undercut a couple of, of passes and just missed leaving guys free to run for like 40 yards uh, the interception was phenomenal like it was he said that he saw the tight end tip it off and if you watch the replay you can see the tight end making motion to Jawan pass prior to the snap um and for him to see that was excellent and to step in front of the ball and make the play awesome but it doesn't take away the fact that he almost like I don't want to say he almost cost Florida State the game but he almost cost Florida State like three or four touchdowns you know a lot of the uh a lot of the free running wide receivers were in the area that he was supposed to be at or you see him being the trail guy on the on the play where the where the wide receiver is running free right into the middle of the field, the middle of the field has just been uh, just wide open for uh, for any quarterback that can take advantage of it. And Florida State safeties are partic- in particular are not playing well right now. So I think that's that's a major concern. And he wasn't uh, for fifty eight minutes. He wasn't very good. Now he had that one great play, which is. Yeah, it was going to be talked about for a long, long time because Bobby Petrino, he said that it was his call, but he was yelling, yelling at Juwan Pass on the sideline, why did you throw that ball? Uh, or why did you throw it? So I think that Juwan Pass made the call to throw, and it was a poor decision, obviously, because it ended up costing Louisville the game. But And the, uh, the final player we're going to stick in, yeah. We're going to stick on the defensive side of the ball. I said all I want to say about special teams because they're a disaster. Um, but we're going to stick on the defensive side of the ball. And I thought that Stanford Samuels didn't play particularly well. I thought he he wasn't very physical at times. He got he, he's he's not being physical when he's asked to come up and make tackles. He was out of position a few times. He I didn't think he played particularly well in the game. Um, it's. Yeah, it really is all of Florida State's safeties. Hampson Asseldeen made some good plays, but then he made some really, really horrendous plays. Cyrus Fagan played a little bit at the beginning, but he wasn't getting enough depth, and Florida State got beat on one of the few long pass plays that Pass was able to hit. So I didn't think that he played very well at all. 
I mean, but Stanford's supposed to be the leader of that unit. I mean, he's he's the one of the best uh, defensive backs Florida State has as far as ability goes, and I just didn't think he was very good. I thought he got caught out of position a couple times, and I didn't think he was physical enough uh, when he was asked to come up and make the tackle. He did make some big hits, but there were multiple times where uh, Louisville def- uh, Louisville offensive player was just able to run right through his arm tackles. Florida State got really lucky in the in the first quarter um, that Louisville wasn't or that they didn't review the play where the where the receiver ran out of bounds. It looked like he might have been inbounds, but even even if he was, you know, Stanford Samuels was right there and was supposed to make the tackle, but he whiffed on an arm tackle, and the dude was going to run right, uh, right into the end zone. So I think that uh, Stanford you know, d- didn't play his best game, and I expect better from him because I do have high expectations for him. <clears throat> now into the good stuff, the three players that I thought played very well. I already talked about... Uh, DeAndre Francois, so I'm not going to mention him again, even though I thought, you know, he played his best half of football ever. <laughs> but the guy, Nyquan Murray, you know, Nyquan isn't isn't always consistent with what he does and the effort he shows, but when he's locked on, he is locked on. Uh, he is fantastic. Um and he he made it. He made a great great play on the on the final touchdown pass, catching the ball, making two guys miss, uh, miss, and then finding Terry who was blocking. Now he said that he was Keith Gavin wasn't paying attention. Uh, he was just running his route, but Terry was paying attention and block and was started blocking as soon as he saw um, Nyquan coming towards him. So, you know, he ran to Terry and then found his way into the end zone. It was a special play. I mean, he made a, he made a number of really good plays. He made a number of heads up plays. There was the one play where Florida state was going to try the double pass, um, with, with Nyquan. And instead of throwing the ball when it wasn't open, he pulled the ball down and ran for 14 yards. It was a really, really smart play on his part. And I thought he was more locked in this game than he has been at any point in the season. He was, uh, he was, he was really good. Uh, somebody else that I thought was extremely good, defensive tackle Marvin Wilson was an absolute monster. I mean, he was a monster. He was splitting double teams. He, I mean, he was getting a push. He played, he played the best game of his Florida State career so far, and he continues to get better. That dude is going to continue to get better, um, and he's going to continue to be successful. He laid out Jawan Pass multiple times. He got a sack. I mean, he was he was very very good. He fought off double teams. I can't say enough about the play of Marvin Wilson. He he really did a a phenomenal job of uh, of getting to the quarterback and playing against the run. Like he was a really really solid player. And then the final player that I thought had a uh, had a lot of success was Cole Minshew. Uh, Minshew's been out of shape because he had an ankle injury that kept him off the field during the final, you know, most of fall camp in like the first part of the season. And he looked out of shape and he wasn't, you know, that ankle wasn't 100%. Well, he's back to 100% and I thought he was excellent. Um, he did a really good, on Terry's touchdown pass, he did a really good job pushing off one guy and then coming back to the counter. Uh, it was, he, he's, he, he looked really, really good. And he also looked like a guy who was getting healthy and was firing off the football. I was really impressed with what I saw from him and from the rest of the Florida State offensive line. But I thought him he in particular had the best day of any Florida State offensive lineman. He was very good. 
But that'll do it for this edition of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. I really appreciate you guys, uh, all of your support. If you're a new listener, I hope you continue to to come back. We'll have a a great week of podcasts here going forward uh, to the Miami game. It's only 30 minutes long every time, so I hope you'll continue to return and listen. And for those returning listeners, thank you so much for all the support. I hope you guys continue to return and listen as well. But for the Locked On Seminoles podcast, I'm Wim McGahey. Have a wonderful day.